Welcome. We're so glad you've taken this opportunity to grow your faith by listening to this teaching. At CLC, it is our heart to see every believer equipped to fulfill the plan that God has for your life. For more information about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. Now let's hear some faith-building teaching from Pastor Jason McGay. Yeah, well, praise God. All right, well, if you can turn in your Bibles this morning to John chapter 4, we'll get started there. And talk to you this morning about a subject that, um, that has really helped me and blessed me and I believe will help and bless you. I actually have a title for you. You know, I don't normally do that, but I know, I know, unusual, eh? Now, if I can only remember it, what is it again? Yeah. This is how to live a rich spiritual life. Yeah, I don't normally do how-tos either, but I don't have steps for you, so there's no step one, step two. We're going to go to verses instead. Hallelujah. I'm going to read a little bit from John chapter 4, so it's going to be a little bit... Uh, I'm going to read all the way from verse 1 down to and including, I'm going to go all the way to like 24. So it's going to take a little bit, but I believe it's all good and you'll enjoy it. I mean, you enjoy the Bible, right? Yeah? It's not just me? Okay. John chapter 4, verse 1 from the Amplified says this, Now when the Lord knew, or became aware of, that the Pharisees had been told that Jesus was winning and baptizing more disciples than John, Though Jesus himself did not baptize, but his disciples, he left Judea and returned to Galilee. It was necessary for him to go through Samaria, and in so doing, he arrived at a Samaritan town called Sychar, near the tract of land that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, tired as he was from his journey, sat down to rest by the well. It was then about the sixth hour. Presently, when a woman of Samaria came along to draw water, Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone off into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan and a woman, for a drink? For the Jews have nothing to do with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you had only known and recognized God's gift... And who this is that is asking you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Hallelujah. She said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with, like no bucket to draw with, right? And the well is deep. How then can you provide living water? In other words, where are you going to get this living water from? And verse 12 says, are you greater than and superior to our ancestor Jacob, who gave us this well? And he used to drink from it himself and his sons and his cattle also. Jesus answered her, All who drink of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever takes a drink of the water that I shall give him no, will never, no never, be thirsty anymore. But the water that I will give him shall become a spring of water, welling up, or flowing, or bubbling, continually within him, unto or into or for eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never get thirsty nor have to come all the way here to draw. At this, Jesus said to her, Go and call your husband and come back here. The woman answered, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have spoken truly in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the man you are now living with is not your husband. In this, you have spoken truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. And now immediately she goes to ask the big burning question of the day. Our forefathers worshipped on this mountain. It said nothing more about the whole living with not my husband there. But, you know, we'll skip over that and go straight to the question, right? Our forefathers worshipped on this mountain, but I tell you, but, but sorry, but you, or referring to the Jews, say that Jerusalem is the place where it is necessary and proper to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You do not know, you referring to the Samaritans, you do not know what you are worshiping. We do know what we are worshiping. And he says here, For after all, salvation comes from among the Jews. A time will come, however, indeed it is already here, when the true worshipers 
will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking just such people as these as his worshipers. God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Amen? That's a whole lot of verses. I think I'm going to have some water because I'm thirsty. (laughs) Hallelujah. So that's a lot of verses. But Jesus is talking about something that, personally, I have found to be very, very helpful in a lot of things. Now, like I said, the title is How to Live a Rich Spiritual Life. Now, you might think to yourself, okay, well, you know, let's hear it. Most of us have some semblance of a social life, right? Social life, you know what I'm saying? Some people, big social life, other people, almost non-existent social life, but social life. And you have your work life. You go to work, you, you, know, you interact with coworkers, you have a job to perform, so on and so forth. You have a work life, right? Everything that comprises going to work and all the political drama that goes on there, office politics and so on and so forth. You have a work life. And then also you have family life. You have life that, that uh, you get together with relatives, maybe it's your kids, maybe it's your husband, your wife, maybe you have family life, right? Yeah. So we have these different areas of our lives that we have categorized to, under, you know, to be able to communicate. But what about your spiritual life? Now, some people, their spiritual life consists of Sundays. That's my spiritual life. Or I'm, you know, I'm a spiritual person, or, you know, and, which really doesn't mean a whole lot usually. When people say that, it just means, you know, I'm open to the idea that there might be more than what I can see with my eyes and touch with my hands. But, you know, spiritual life. And people think, you know, well, I have my, my family life here. Compartmentalization, right? I have my social life there, and I'm trying to find balance with that. Here's my spiritual life and everything in balance. And then spiritual life is over here. And so we've we got to find a nice balance. I don't want to have too much of a spiritual life because then I might be a fanatic and a radical and I don't want to be called that. So we'll just have everything in a nice even balance that seems to work for me with my family, my work, uh, my social life and f- with friends and so forth. And then, you know, my church life, spiritual life, you know, my time that I take to pray and read the Bible. And we have everything nicely in balance. The thing is, although most, a lot of Christians, maybe not most, there's many Christians that live with that kind of mentality, The thing is, our spiritual life is the higher life. And it should be the life that flows into every other area of our lives. It's the dominating area of our life. It's okay to have family life, okay to have work life, okay to have social life, so on and so forth. But the source of strength in all of those areas of your life should be your spiritual life. Now, before Jesus... We didn't know any of that. So, typically, you're looking for something in the different areas of your life. You're looking for job satisfaction when you go to work. You want to come home at the end of the day and feel like, I did something good. Job satisfaction. I enjoy what it is that I do. Right? Or your family life. Usually that's a juggling act, but you're trying to find some form of balance, enjoy your family, and avoid many arguments, and just, you know, be able to, you know, leave when you leave and it not follow you home, that, that kind of thing, family life, right? And, but you're looking for something in that. You know, in your family life, sometimes maybe you've gotten into a little bit of trouble and you think, well, I can at least reach out to my family, and, they, and I know they'll support me, and I know that they'll help me. Right? So you, but you find some sort of enjoyment and, and satisfaction in, in spending time with your family. Right? And your friends, the same kind of thing. You know, you maybe have good friends, maybe a lot of friends, maybe you only have a few friends. But there's something that you draw from in all of those circles of your life. You're drawing something from it. And what you're drawing is very similar to what this woman was drawing physically. She was talking about physical water going to the well. Why? Because your physical body gets thirsty, you need water to live, right? We all know that. You need water to live. I mean, you can go 40-plus days without food, but not without water. I think you can go, they say, a maximum of three days without water, and then your body starts to shut down. You can't go very long without water. 
So they knew water is life. Hallelujah. And they knew that when he's talking about living water, he's talking about moving, flowing, living water. He's talking about water of life. And so the, the woman at the well here is thinking, well, in the, you know, I'm just looking for another way that I can satisfy what I need in this life. So when Jesus starts talking like, hey, if you had asked me for living water or for water, I would have given you living water. And she's like, well, and that you'd never be thirsty again. And the woman's like, this is amazing. That's like the bank account that doesn't empty. It just, I can always draw from it any time I like, right? It's a continual source. And often we're looking around in our life for that continual source. Some people find it in their friends. Some people find it in their family. Some people find it in work. But they're not really finding it. Why? Because they have to continue to go back and draw day after day after day. And that's what this woman was doing. I got to come back and get more water again because once I have that water and drink it, it's gone and I'm going to get thirsty again. And so in the same way in our lives, we can be busy about our lives and with such things that we're trying to draw something from it. And in trying to draw from it, we have to go continually to those places to try to satisfy something inside. So the woman in the well here was talking, in the well, at the well, woman at the well, was talking about a natural thing, water. But Jesus was talking about a supernatural thing. He was not talking about a natural thing. He was talking about a supernatural thing. And before Jesus, we were unaware of that supernatural part, the spirit part of our lives, the spiritual life. We were only aware of the natural life. And the spiritual life before Jesus is empty. There is no life in it. So it is a continual void and drawing trying to fill that spiritual life, but only with the means available in the natural world. Going to work to try to find some sense of accomplishment. Going to family to try to to find comfort and joy. With friends for excitement and comfort and all those other things that we get from the different relationships in our lives. But trying to fill something that is void without Jesus. And that's why there's this expectation and a pull. And especially today, you hear all about that kind of expectation and pull. Well, you weren't a friend to me, and you were supposed to be this and this. Why are those expectations there? Because I have needs that need to be met. And I'm looking to you to satisfy them. And when you don't, I'm let down, I'm disappointed, and you haven't been to me what I need you to be. There's a constant pulling and a drawing on those people in our life around us in order to satisfy something that they can't satisfy. Because the physical things in life cannot satisfy the spiritual need of mankind. This is why Jesus said, but if you knew who I was, you would have come to me and asked me for a drink. Because only through Jesus do we have access to and obtain this living water that satisfies the inward part of mankind, of you and I. It's only through him. That's the only place you can get it. There is no other source. And no, you know, in the world, if someone had something that no one else could have, everybody would want it. And when they'd want it, you could charge a very high price for that, right? Let's just pretend you're walking around on your property one day, and you kick something, you're like, what is that? And you start digging up the backyard, and you find a diamond mine. You find jewels. You find something precious. And you realize nobody else has this. What do you do the next day? You set up a storefront in the front of your lawn and you advertise because you have something that no one else has and you can charge whatever you like for it because you have something that no one else has. It's only found in one spot. That's how the world thinks about things. That's not how Jesus thinks about things. He's saying, if you knew who I was, you'd come and ask me and I would give you, not sell you. Jesus didn't say, and I, you can come to my uh, water stand, and I would sell you a glass of living water. It's, I will give you. This is the nature and character of our great God. Hallelujah. He doesn't sell you stuff. He gives you things. 
because he is generous, he is plenteous, he is abounding, there is no lack in him, and when you have living water in you, there is no lack in you. Let's take a look at the nature of this living water a little bit more specifically again. So Jesus said in verse 13, all who drink of this water will be thirsty again. And that is the condition of the world. That is the condition of, I'm going to say, your flesh. Your physical senses and and all the needs of life that are associated with your senses. They're going to need something again. Who here has had a steak dinner and said, you know, I've had a steak, I never need to eat ever again. I'm fully satisfied. Nobody. And for those of you that are counting, there is your food reference during the service today. Without fail, somebody mentions food while preaching. All right. Verse 13, Jesus answered, all who drink of this water will be thirsty again. You could also say things like, all all who go to work and look for that satisfaction from doing a good job or promotion or accomplishment will have to go back to work again (laughs) to look for satisfaction and accomplishment. You're going to have to have it again. You can only wear so many gold watches that the boss gives you. There can only be so much room on your wall for all of those plaques, and yet you are going to be looking for that again. All of you that draw upon your family for support and comfort, you're going to have to do that again. I mean, how many people had a family reunion and said, thank you very much, I never need to see you again for the rest of my life? Well, maybe some, but you know, <laughs> depends on the condition of your family, maybe. But... And that, that's it. I'm fully satisfied with my family. I never need to see you or speak to you ever again. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Nobody. Because there's a continual draw there. And in all areas of our lives. From the natural. From that side. But look at what Jesus says here. But whoever takes a drink of the water that I will give him shall never, no never, be thirsty anymore. Now that, I mean, we're we a Bible-believing church here, Yes. We believe the Bible, so when the Bible says something, we just say, yep, that's true. We don't go, yeah, but my experience says, yeah, but I was told, yeah, but I thought this instead, or it just doesn't seem to be, or I feel differently because, no, we believe what the Bible says is true first, regardless of our experience, regardless of how we feel, regardless of our own upbringing, or whatever you want to throw at it, we believe the Bible first, right? If God said it, it's true, end of story. Yes? Okay, well, this says, but whoever takes a drink of the water that I will give him shall never, no, never be thirsty anymore. He's not talking about physical water. He's talking about the water of the Spirit. He's talking about the Spirit of man. He's talking about the water of life in the Spirit of man. That water. Hallelujah. So, if you're a believer, if you're a Christian... Jesus is Lord of your life, <coughs> Excuse me. then you've got that water. You have the water that Jesus is talking about, the spiritual life that Jesus is talking about. So if you have it, you will never be thirsty again. The Bible is true, and our experience is second to it. Now, I know sometimes in in church we sing songs like, Lord, I'm thirsty for you, I'm hungry for you, and I get what we're trying to say. But as believers, we should never be unsatisfied in our life because we are not to draw on our work life, our family life, our social life, and such to find what it is actually that we already have through Jesus Christ. We have that life. We have that satisfaction in him, and we don't need to be thirsty any longer because we have the water of life in us. There's no place to be thirsty any longer. The Bible is true, and our experience is second to it, is to be in submission to that. How to have a rich spiritual life. First one, believe what the Bible says. And that is, you have 
everything that you need for life and godliness. You have it. Well, I, I don't feel like it. I, I don't, sometimes I wonder. It just doesn't seem like that. That hasn't been my experience. Yeah, but the Bible is true first. And if we believe that, then we can live in the reality of it. Right. But the believing comes first. There are many believers out there that have an up and down experience. You know what I mean by that? Yeah. Mountaintop valley experience. Mountaintop experience. They go to a worship service and they're worshiping and praising God and it's all exciting and the presence of God is sweeping through that place and touching their heart and they're like, God, you're awesome, you're amazing, you love me, you're wonderful and the mountaintop. And then they ride the emotional crest of that for, you know, three or four days and then the, the, the feeling wears off and they return to their normal everyday life and they're like, yeah, I remember when. Last week, it just seemed all so different, and God was so good. But today, you know, uh, Joe burnt the coffee and, at work, and now, you know, uh, here I am, and i got extra paperwork to do today, and I, I'm not sure if I'm going to get home in time for dinner, and so on and so forth. But just a few days ago, I was riding the crest of this great experience in God, and it just seemed like I couldn't be more satisfied than I was at that moment. But now, you know, I'm just going through a hard time. I'm not really sure why. It just, just, just doesn't seem like anything is really working out for me. Uh, it, you know, I get, I get put new tires on my car and I drive over a nail. It just, things are just not working out. And just, God, where are you? Where did you go? I don't know where, what happened to you. I go to pray. It's like nobody's listening. You know, I, 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 I know what the Bible says, but it just seems so unreal to me. It just, I'm just not thinking like that. And I have all these habits that just seem to pop up out of nowhere. And I can't control my temper. And I don't know why I'm feeling just so uh, all the time. And I don't get it. God, God, you got to refresh me again. I need a revival service. I'm going to go to a revival service because I need reviving. I need reviving. I need to go to a revival service to have that feeling once again where I'm just on that mountaintop. So I'm going to go to a revival. And I look up on the internet, where's the closest revival service? And I find one three miles away and I drive there and I'm all excited because we're going to have a great service again and I'm going to be up on that mountaintop and God is so good. And I get there and I'm just riding this up and down roller coaster in your spiritual, so-called spiritual life. And we call that Christianity, unfortunately. And yet, the whole time, this Bible right here, Jesus said this 2,000 years ago. It's still true today. He said, but if you have the water that I give you, uh, you'll never be thirsty again. Yeah. That life is love. That water of life is love. It's joy. It's peace. It's patience. It's God's character and his nature. It's light and understanding. Hallelujah. It's all of that. The water of his kind of life. The Bible calls it eternal life. Perpetual life. Life upon life. Dynamic life. It is life upon life. And Jesus said, he who follows after me will have the light of life. Hallelujah. It's, it's, it's brilliant. It's glorious. You can understand and see where God is leading and taking you. You, can, you have access to his character and nature that just seems to operate through you every day. And just you love people and you don't know, even know why. You just do because he does. And you have peace in every situation. You're un, unmoved by what's going on around you because the peace of God guards your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. You have joy that's not dependent on your circumstances or what's going on in your life today. It, the world could be on fire and falling apart around you, but you could be at peace and joyful. And I know, I know people might look and you go, well, that's, something's not right with you. You're not in touch with life because, hey, we're having a crisis here. How come you're not in the middle of it? And you're not in the middle of it. You're in the middle of Christ, hallelujah, and he's in the middle of you, and praise God, you have life for every circumstance that you see around you. The water of life bubbling and flowing up on the inside of you. But the thing is here is that it is not dependent on you going to the well every day. Amen. What do I mean by that? Well... In the, in when Jesus is talking to the woman at the well, she had to go to the well every day to draw water in order to satisfy a thirst. 
But let's look at what Jesus says here in verse 14. Second half of it says, But the water that I will give him shall become a spring of water, welling up within him unto eternal life. A spring of water. So he gives you water. Your spiritual life is satisfied. But it doesn't stop there. The water becomes a well itself. And that well springs up on its own. Now, I know that sounds so very different than a lot of what we've heard in church. But I want to believe the Bible. I don't know about you. I want to believe the Bible. So if Jesus said that the water he gave me becomes a spring that wells up. So this woman is going to the well to draw and get water. And as Christians, sometimes we have this thing, I don't feel just quite right. I need to go and be in a good service. That makes me feel better. That's you drawing from the well on your own. That's you pumping yourself up. We had that little example before. Right? Pumping yourself up, well, that's just, you know, if you pump up a tire or something like that, it's inflated with air. Mm Mm-hmm. That's a good thinking moment there. I'll let you think a little bit more about it because there are many situations you can read in the news of people that have pumped themselves up to be something that they're not. And they're just full of air. So, as believers, we don't want to find ourselves in a place where we are dependent on, I mean, hey, be in church. It's a good place to be. But we're not dependent on, I have to be in church, otherwise I'm not going to get what I need. I'm not going to feel, I'm not going to, we don't have to do that. I need to listen to, I need to be, uh, I just, I got to read my, I have to, I haven't, re- didn't read my verse today, or I didn't pray for my 15 minutes this morning, my, my whole day is shot, I don't know what's going to happen with me. Honestly, I used to be like that. I used to think, if I don't get my 15 minutes at least of prayer in the morning, my whole day is just going to go askew. It's just going to be off. I don't even know if I'm going to make it. I'll, I, I might just you know, wind up saying something I don't, I shouldn't be saying, I just might have a bad attitude, it just, Why? Well, I didn't take that 15 minutes in prayer. Because why? I was going to pray, and I got 15 minutes. God, you're awesome. Just praying in tongues as as hard and fast as I can. And what am I doing? I'm I'm trying to stir myself up. I'm confessing the word of God and just trying to into a place of, okay, now I feel like the rest of my day is going to be okay. I've had my 15 minutes of prayer. I've psyched myself into the Christian mindset I need to have to endure the day. I'm going to be all right. I'm going to make it. And then if something goes weird in the middle of the day, it's like, that's the devil. That devil is after me again. That's the devil. You're laughing because you know what I'm talking about, right? (laughs) Psyching myself to be super Christian for the day. Yes. Hallelujah. And there's a lot of believers that are in that place. Or I got to call the prayer line and get someone to pray for me. Just just because. If I don't, I, I just need that extra. Bit. And sometimes we do. right? We have prayer lines for that. But if you find that, yeah, you're addicted to prayer lines. Just got to call the prayer line. Otherwise, it's just not going to go good for me this week. I need that special anointing oil on my forehead every day. Otherwise, something's not, something's not going to, it's just not going to go right. And there are a multitude of Christian things that we do that are like that, that just represent us going to the well, trying to draw water out of it every day so that we can have the strength that we need to live the life God wants us to live. And I say live the life that God wants us to live. And yet the water of that life lives on the inside of us the whole time. We just haven't been accessing it. That spring of water is there the whole time. Once in a while, you trip over it and you get a gusher and you're like, woohoo, glory to God, but almost more by accident than on purpose. 
But we have this water of life that should be bubbling up and springing up on the inside of us regularly. What is it? It's, it's the love of God for us and for others. It's his peace that surpasses all understanding. Can't even comprehend how much at peace I am at the moment, right? That kind of peace. It's joy, unspeakable and full of glory. It's patience and self-control. So things get out of hand and you don't get out of hand. Hallelujah. Because you have self-control. You can resist temptation. You can resist negative thoughts and feelings that want to oppress you. You can be patient when things seem to be taking a long time. and You don't see it happening the way that you want to. It's funny. I was in a lineup the other day. Lineups are great places for patience. I particularly don't like lineups. I'm so happy that in heaven there will be no lineups ever, anywhere. There's no lineup to the throne. There's no lineup anywhere in heaven. You just get to be wherever you want to be. No lineup. No waiting and having a turn. No. But I was in a lineup. And, I'm, and it just, sometimes you just pick the wrong line to be in at the grocery store. And I happened to do that and didn't discover it and then was too embarrassed to get out of line and go find a different line because I thought, by the time I get to that other line, this line will be through. And then it's like, ah, I just wasted time. Now I'm standing in another line again. So I'll just sit and wait this one out. Right? Me only? Only me? I only do that? Okay. Anyway, so standing in this line. And all the thoughts that I'm telling you about are coming to my head. I thought, no, I'm not in a hurry. No, I'm not going to get impatient. And it was easy. It was so easy. And this person took a super long time. (laughs) It was some sort of like credit card approval transaction thing. So they're going back and forth and then calling in other people. And I'm like, there's not even groceries on the (laughs) conveyor anymore. And I'm still waiting here. And they're talking and this and that. And then standing there with my stuff and then now the line has formed you know 15 people deep or I don't know a few people deep behind me I'm standing there and finally it starts to move and the guy behind me says well he and I just kind of look at him he said made a comment and I just looked at him and smiled and he says well you've got the patience of Job (laughs) and I just looked at him and said Job was a good man thank you And we continue on. (laughs) Patience. (laughs) But you know what? I wasn't, oh, I've got to be patient. My my testimony of Christ is at stake here if I'm not patient. (laughs) It just flows out of you naturally. Not by effort. Naturally, it springs up on its own, not because you tried really hard. Now, I, as a believer, as a Christian, you will encounter opposition and difficulties and temptations and trials and all that kind of thing. But you know what? You have that in the world anyway. The only difference is someone might persecute you for being a Christian. But in the world, people persecute you for all sorts of things anyway. So the thing is, is that you might have all of that stuff, but you don't have to struggle to be a believer. What a revelation. And yet, how much of our personal experience bears that truth out in our life? We're trying to be a good Christian, trying to live a certain way, trying to, and it can be tough, and I got to resist temptation, and I got to live a holy life, and I got to be kind to my ugly neighbor, and I got to do all these things, and it's, the, the list just grows into a mountain that you have to climb every day. Which is why you want to go to those services where you can have a mountaintop experience. Forget about your list for a little while. Or, or you could let that spring of living water flow from the inside of you that springs up on its own. Our great God and Father did an amazing and wonderful thing. Of all the things that he requires of us as believers, as Christians, of all the things that he requires, he took the substance and life of those things. Like, for example, the Bible says, um, in many places, it says, don't kill, don't steal, like the Ten Commandments, right? 
It says not to do certain things and worship the Lord only and don't serve other gods and so on and so forth. It tells us that, yes? We know the Ten Commandments. But you know, God himself does not have, I like to say it this way, he doesn't have a little sticky note with those Ten Commandments posted on his bathroom mirror where he's looking at them and he gets up in the morning to brush his teeth and he's God and he's brushing his teeth and he looks at the mirror and he goes, oh yes, don't kill anybody today. Got it. <laughs> brushing his teeth, another one. All right, can't lie, right, can't lie, got to tell the truth. He's not looking at those to keep himself in check or to live up to that standard. Why? He, it's who he is. He doesn't lie. He doesn't kill. He doesn't, st- it's not in his nature to be that way. It's foreign to him. So there's no struggle for him. He's not trying really hard to keep the Ten Commandments. He's not trying to be a good Christian today. He's not struggling with it. It's not even like, a, maybe I will, maybe I won't. That's, that's who he is. That is his character and his nature, and it does not change. It's always that way. And there's no effort involved. Well, that is the life that he put in you when you received Jesus as Lord. He put that life in you. That life is in you. That life doesn't struggle. That life doesn't try really hard. That life doesn't set goals and try to attain it and then get upset when you fail. His life is not like that. He is love. He is joy. He is peace. He is, he is all of those characteristics. All of those things. And the water of that life is in you. And it springs up on its own. It springs up on its own. Hallelujah. That is good news. So you might say to yourself, Okay, that's wonderful, Pastor Jason. How do, I, how do I do that? What do I have to do to get that? Well, first of all, you need to believe that you have it. Yeah. It might not feel like it. It might not look like that. But Jesus said it, and it's true. So I believe that first. I believe it. Yeah. I believe it when I'm doing good, and I believe it when I'm not doing so good. But I believe this is still true. Yeah. When I feel like it's true, or I don't feel like it's true. It's still true. So I believe it. That's the first thing. Hallelujah. In, in our lives, our walk with the Lord is such that causes that spring to spring forth on the inside of us on a regular basis. It's our walk with Him. It's not, I mean, by all means, go to church. Read your Bibles and pray, right? Walk in love. Do all the things the Bible says to do. But it not, it's, doesn't come about by your effort. It come, the Bible says here, let's take a look. Let's skip down to another verse here. Verse 24. Oh, sorry, 23. So Jesus said, a time will come. <coughs> However, indeed it is already here. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking just such people as these as his worshipers. Verse 24, God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, he's not just talking about at a worship service. He's talking about how we live. Our lives are worship unto God. It's not just a moment. It's a lifestyle. It's how we live. So as a Christian, your life is worship, should be, worship unto God. We're honoring Him, we're respecting Him, we're thanking Him, we're looking to Him, but we're also depending on Him and trusting Him and obeying Him. That's what worshipers do, right? So if we worship Him, we worship Him in spirit and in truth. Now, in spirit doesn't mean with just a lot of zeal and woo, yeah, It doesn't mean that. It means God is a spirit, right? God is a spirit. That actually answers a whole lot of questions that people ask. But did you know also that you are a spirit 
and you live in the body, you have a mind and emotions and will. I didn't know I was a spirit. That's probably why we didn't know God was a spirit. But you see, because you can only contact him and get to know him by the spirit. Not by your thoughts, not by your feelings, not by your mental comprehension of him. You, you get to know him from within your heart, and your spirit. That's the part that connects with God, that part. Now, people have a lot of ideas, people have a lot of feelings, but thoughts and feelings don't touch God who is a spirit. He touches our lives through the innermost being, our spirit. That's where that water comes from, from that place. So our life to him our life in him is our life, or that water of life is found by living in him. He said here, the Father desires those who worship him in spirit, so from the innermost being and in truth, which means not just, it, it does mean according to the truth, but it also means with sincerity and reality. It means being real with God. So, have you ever had that experience in, in maybe in a time of prayer? Maybe you've been in a, a difficult spot or trying to solve a situation that you can't find an answer to, and it's troubled your heart. And finally, after uh, talking to, to God about it, and just this and that, I don't understand, but this, and, and you're just going through it in prayer, talking to him. But somewhere in the middle of that, all of a sudden, you get down to the what we say the heart of the matter. And that real sincere place, excuse me, opens up before God, opens up before him, just sincere. And he said, God, and whatever it might be, I really just was disappointed that it didn't work the way I thought it was going to. Maybe that was the situation. Maybe that's really what was going on in your heart the whole time. And you open up your heart in that place of sincerity. I don't know about you, but I know for, in my experience, he's met me there every single time. You know why? Because that's, where, that's what he sees. He sees that. That's what he's looking at. That's, that's the place he's talking to. That's the place he's talking to. Sincerity. Sincerity of heart. And he's, that's what he desires, is for you to talk to him from that place. Often our prayer life is, we got 15 minutes, and I've got a laundry list of things i got to get through today, and I pray, 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 confess God's word, stand in faith, thank you, done, and off I go. Or just in a moment, you're driving and almost get into a car accident, and, oh, thank you, Jesus, and that was prayer today. Right? Prayer should come from a heart reality with God. He desires us to worship him in spirit and in truth. Being real with him is what unlocks that door for the water of his life to flow into your life. When the water of his life, his nature, his character, who he is, when it begins to spring up on the inside of you because you're being honest with God, you're talking to him, you're, you're wor- that's that worshiping him, when it's coming from that place, it flows into every other area of your life. It flows into your work life, your home life, your you know, family life. It flows into all those other areas of your life. When your heart is open and honest before him, that's pretty simple. And everybody can do that. There's nothing that would exclude you from that. I mean, God as wonderful and amazing and superior as he is, didn't make it difficult for us. He made it very, he knows us. He knows we make it difficult for ourselves more than enough. So he made it really simple, really simple. And the simplicity of it is just be open and honest before him. In that place, he can talk to you. In that place, he can strengthen you. In that place, that water of life begins to flow And suddenly your perspective changes. Suddenly you have strength to face the day. Suddenly you have an ability to live up to the things that he requires from you. Suddenly you have have something that's greater than what you can see around you. Hallelujah. It's the water of his life living in you. Amen? 
Hallelujah. Well, I spent a whole lot of time on just one of the many verses I had today, but I think that we will, we will wrap it up at this point. So if I can get the worship team to come back up again, please. So let me conclude with this. Wherever you are at in your Christian walk today, there is never a place where it's, forgive me for how straight this sounds, where it's okay to say, God, I'm just so thirsty, I'm just so dry. It's never okay. Now, that might have been your experience, but it contradicts the Bible. When he has given us this whole time his living water on the inside, instead, turn that from within your heart. Just turn it around and say, okay, I haven't experienced it, but I trust you that I have that living water in me. You said it, and it springs up. I don't have to try to make it. And I trust you, and I believe that that is just as you say it is. So whatever your situation is, wherever you are at, this is solves probably 90% of the issues that you're facing. This solves it. It's his wisdom. It's his strength. It's his ability. And he put it on the inside of you so that it can flow out into every part of your life. So we're going to take a moment just to quietly pray. I'm going to give you an opportunity to, to, as we pray, to open your heart before the Lord and say, Lord, maybe you're doing wonderful today. Maybe everything's great. But you want to see more of his life and nature in you. There's always more of him to be experienced. And so wherever you're at in your walk with him today, I want you to take a moment to find how to open your heart before him. I'm not going to tell you what you need to do from that point other than to say, Lord, I want to know this living water flowing in me in a greater way. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, if you've never made that decision and given your life over to him to be Lord of, now is a good time to do that. And he accepts you and receives you with open arms. He loves you. He laid down his life for you so that you could have his kind of life. And again, it's a real simple thing. It's not 10 steps to go through. It's a simple, sincere heart to God that says, Jesus, I receive you as Lord. Thank you for forgiving me for all of my sins. You've washed it away by the sacrifice of your own life. Be Lord in me. Give unto me this eternal life that you're offering me. Cause me to know it and experience it. Really simple. So I'm going to pray with you just in a general way, but specifically in your own heart. You talk to him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that we can, we can stand before you, we can come to you, that you are our Father and we are your children. I thank you for the life that you have given us. It's a wonderful, amazing life beyond description, beyond our ability to describe. And Lord, there may have been things that we've been challenged with. We may have felt like things get dry or we're in a valley or just dark to us sometimes. But I, we believe what you have said. You put that living water in us. Your life is in us. And so, Lord, I choose to believe that first. And I say thank you that that living water will flow in my life. Your character, your nature will spring up within me all on its own. And I'll see as you see and I'll know as you know and I'll live as you live because you live in me. And I thank you for this wonderful gift. And we say, Jesus, we thank you for making this life available to us, this eternal life. We say thank you for living perfectly before us so we can see what that life looks like. We thank you for going to the cross to pay the penalty for our sin, for the very thing that separated us from this life. We thank you for doing that. 
And we believe that the Father has raised you up. Raised you up from the dead. And that you live forevermore. And that you are Lord of all things. And we just say afresh, we say anew, Jesus, be Lord in our heart. Be Lord in our life. We have surrendered to you. And Jesus, you are king. We have received your eternal life. Hallelujah. And from this day forward, we will live as you say. We will follow you in all things. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you for the work you're doing in our midst. I thank you for the step forward in our lives that this represents. And I thank you that people's lives are being changed by your power. I thank you for the eyes that open up and begin to see this life that you have provided for us in a new and living way, a fresh way. I thank you for answers to questions. I thank you that blinders come off of minds. I thank you that we begin to walk forward and and say, Lord, this is amazing. This is wonderful. I hadn't seen it before, but I see it now. I thank you for the, the life and the vitality, the strength that comes to us, to every heart, to every believer. I thank you, Lord. And we give you honor and praise for it. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening today. We hope you have been strengthened and encouraged by the message you've heard. To hear more from our pastors or to learn more about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. You can contact us by phone at 604-594-7327 or you can write to us at Unit 2A, 13139 80th Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3W3B1.